Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Friday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Elkanen and Dennis Dick. On today's show, we have earnings. We have uh, weird after-hours movers. We have an offering from Shopify. We're going to talk Disney reopening their park and selling out in Shanghai. We are, of course, also waiting for this jobs number that we expect will be historically bad. That's coming at 8.30, so we'll keep our eyes peeled for that when that comes around. Our guest is Jason Rasnick. He's our founder and CEO. He will join the show at 8.45 and uh, wrap us up heading into the weekend here. Uh, Joel, what's the word here in the overnight session? Another overnight rally? Another overnight rally. Uh, we're currently trading up 25 and three-quarters handles. Call it 26 at 29.06 even. That open, open at 82, they just touched the close, went below that at 79.75. Rallied up to 29.23, folks. Don't have much up there. Uh, if we really want to get excited on the upside here, uh, the high close of the rebound has been 29.41, and the high of the rebound has been 29.65. Uh, crude, uh, quiet, uh, down up 28 cents at 25.11. Gold in the green by 9 cents at 17.26.70. Silver going the same way, up 21 cents at uh, 15.80. Bitcoin trying to hold that 10,000 level, uh, down $30. Those are the futures at 9,980. Triple D, it's a jobs Friday. Does it really make any difference? Mm, they all oh yeah this one matters so all the economic numbers that are out there this one does matter the question is does it make a difference for the bears because if the number is exceedingly high which we expect it to be in all likelihood they'll find the silver lining and not sell off very much if it's less they'll rip it higher so i mean i think it's kind of like a heads the bulls win the tails the bulls win such a difficult market to be short in. I mean, you look at this market and you think all of the things you can worry about, they're all significant. But again, we've been in a trading range. A lot of these worries are baked in. We talked about this on the show, you know, for the last couple of weeks. You know, the market is accepting the fact that 2,000 people are dying a day. The market is accepting the fact that, you know, the unemployment rate is hitting historic highs. The market is accepting of the fact that a lot of businesses are struggling to survive. This is the most accepting market that I have ever seen in my life. And you can thank the Fed for that. For sure. And uh, also, we've noted um, the overnight moves. I mean, it been, that's where the movement has been. If you're buying the open, the 930 open, that's the wrong open to be buying it. Uh, it is. Monday, uh, Sunday night, we had the down open. Uh, but still, yeah. that, that turned out to be a pretty good buy. You never took out the pre-market low. Uh, but Monday evening, Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, and Thursday evening, those were the moves. Yeah. I gapped up over, and thanks to Endless Capital, who's tracking this on Twitter there. Um, I didn't look at it that closely, but he says we've gapped up over 100 points in the last uh, four trading sessions overnight. If you're looking at it, though, and like you were saying, if you were buying the open and selling the close in the last four days, 
you're not making any money, which is crazy because it's all the money has been made overnight. The all these overnight open. moves. You're buying the 930 open on the SPY. If you're an, an intraday trader, buying at 930 and selling at four o'clock, your day trader buying and selling. You think the market's been up, you know, sig significantly this week. So it's been a pretty good week doing that. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, not so fast. All of the moves have happened overnight. We've gapped up. Even yesterday, we were gapping up 30 handles. We closed up 30 handles. Day before, we were gapping up and we actually closed down. So you lost money. It would have been on Wednesday. Tuesday was a similar story. So um, we closed very weak. So the, the market has been pushed up overnight and then given some of it back, actually, intraday. So actually, if you just look at intraday moves, this week wasn't that great of a week for the, for the market, but all the moves overnight, they're ripping them higher overnight. Some people are saying maybe there's some shenanigans happening overnight. I can't you know, speculate on what's happening overnight. I can just tell you that it's thinner and the markets are um, obviously you know, being moved overnight. All right, a uh, lot of earnings reports, but I, before we get to an earnings report, uh, good news for Disney shareholders. This is going to be interesting to watch. So Disney is reporting that they, the first few days that the Shanghai Disneyland is reopening sold out almost immediately. And so I don't, I, I, it'll be interesting to see whether it's uh, the people buying those tickets are actually people going to the park or if it's they're going to be try to resell them on the secondary market. But uh, the first few days that the park is reopening is sold out. Now, it's only going to be it's capped at 30 percent capacity. So it's not a huge bar to clear yeah. uh, for Disney. But the fact that they sold out immediately, that's, good that's what they said. Yeah, that's good news. And then they're opening what their outdoor mall or something in in florida so what was the place that yeah they're opening? uh yeah downtown disney yeah so i think it's called something different now but the, the old oh, downtown right. disney so they're really? opening that up but Wait. but it's funny like the market wants any silver lining so we saw that headline break about them opening downtown disney and disney immediately popped up two dollars and i was like that's not the parks it's an outdoor mall so you know obviously you know an outdoor mall you know we, we know they're opening some retail shops so you know, it's a little bit different, probably not as crowded as some of these rides are going to be. So Disney's not out of the woods. Um, it's unbelievable how resilient the stock has been, though. I, I wouldn't want to own it 108. I, I said I didn't want to own Lyft, Uber. I mean, this market doesn't care right now. The market is full on fear of missing out. We just want to own stocks. We think this crisis is over and we're going back to all time highs. That's what the market thinks, because here we are. You know, you look at the queues. They're up on the year here now. There's full-on fear of missing out in a lot of stocks. So it's hard to be short. I would not want to be short. You're squeezing the shorts. We saw the squeeze in Wayfair. We have saw the squeeze in Peloton. We've seen the squeeze in a number of different stocks. It is a scary market to bet on the short side here. I think eventually some of this stuff does come to roost, and I think eventually we do come back down to earth. But I'm not betting on that. So obviously my long-term portfolio has a lot of cash because I have a lot of those concerns. But as a trader, I keep buying the dips. You know why? Because it keeps on working. Uh, you've found a, a seller here. It looks like 108 and a half, 10860. Uh, that's been bumping up against that for literally, uh, let's see. You got up there, really since six o'clock this morning, all of your 15 minute highs have been between 108.24 and 108.60. So if you're looking for a target there on the upside, you gotta get rid of that seller. Uh, nothing nothing there on the dailies, uh, to really to give me any um, you know more significance to that. 
31, April 30th high, high of the rebound, 112.70. But uh, first things first, let's take out that seller at 108.60. On a pullback here, a quick dip, maybe, maybe you see the top of yesterday's range, which was also your close. That was 105.61, 105.57. So uh, good day for Disney here. Not earnings low, 98.86, 10 bucks above that if you bought the dip. So lots of stocks reporting last night. One dip that has not been bought, and obviously smeg on my face because I thought the Roku dip would get bought. I thought it would get bought faster. And this, I'm not saying it can't get bought yet, but it hasn't, and it's still down. So give us the numbers for Roku. I think you got some support in the 120 area. I, again, valuation will keep me out of the stock in my long-term portfolio, but I'm trying to look for the first little sign that they might buy the dip because they have on a lot of these different stocks and they might do it again. Maybe that play is going to get crowded, you know, and you've got to be careful with all strategies. I'm going to say this too. This would be in my trading book. You know, somebody's going to end up writing my trading book about everything that I've said before I actually write it because I've said all the tips on the show. But when you've got to talk about crowded trades and when something works again and again and again and again, eventually it will get crowded and then it will stop working. So you wonder if this buy the tech dip, maybe this is the first sign because this is the first one on the dip. Like we know the Uber dip even, uh, was it last night Uber? Or was it the night yeah, before? Yeah, last Back night. Nights. Yep, I think it was two was nights ago, night. wasn't it? No, that was Lyft, Lyft two nights yeah, ago. Yeah, Uber dip did get bought because it dipped on the initial report and they ripped it higher. The Roku dip has not been bought, which is interesting. So um, caution a little bit because it hasn't been bought immediately. But you know, sometimes it takes a day or two too. For the most part, these dips have been bought in the tech stocks almost immediately. Not the case in Roku. What were the numbers? Yeah, this, this one this one is surprising here. So uh, Roku reported Q1 EPS of a 45 cent loss per share. That is in line with the estimate. Sales beat though 320 versus 306 million dollars. Uh, active accounts grew 38 percent on a year-over-year basis. Streaming hours up 80 percent year-over-year. They added uh, just under three million uh, active accounts in the first quarter again they said they said all good things yeah the quarter was fine again price for perfection it's why i sold my peloton roku was literally ripped up 17 points ahead of this report in two days so it was priced you know very well and you were opening up into major you were actually at major resistance from january you know you got the entire losses back from march stock is over double it was under 60 dollars a month and a half ago now it's 140 it was priced for perfection you knew it was going to be a good quarter. Everybody knew Roku was going to have a good quarter, just like they knew Netflix was going to have a good quarter. Netflix sold off on theirs as well. So, but Netflix has come back. And if you look at Netflix now, it's very close to the highs. So it took Netflix a few days. Maybe you use that as a, a gauge here. Maybe it takes Roku a few days too. Days too but I'm not short in these stay-at-home uh, type of plays because it seems like they cool off a bit and then they just get hot again. So I would say if you are going to buy the dip on Roku, it's hard. I don't know. We can throw it to the level master, Joel. Yeah, if I'm trying to you, buy you, the dip you, on Roku, where do I start nibbling you got, if you I got want to it. Do it? This is what you do. This is All if right. you want to buy the dip, you got you to gotta be careful here because uh, after hours, right, they took it to 123.11. And I think I mentioned this um, on the, uh, on the uh, after the close show or for, for the close. Uh, you got a pair of lows, two-day lows right here, 121.77 and 122.51. You didn't quite get there yet, 
So that would be that would be the area. The only problem with it, if it doesn't hold that area, your next daily low is 112.69. So you do have a double bottom there, two and three days. Kind of got there in the pre-market. So let's see. It's off the pre-market low, so quite a bit. So you might you might not get a shot at that as it uh, it's already went down there. But that's the area I like on it. I just I couldn't I couldn't pick it up here in 126.20. Uh, with a lot of confidence, I'd it, rather try hard. to pick it up on support. I mean, a dip in this. If this thing fell another 15 points from where it currently is, it would still be in an uptrend from where it was in March. I mean, you know, you could draw the, you know, the purple crayon, take the tech, the Jeff Mackey purple crayon. I mean, you can really see it, you know, one, even another 10 points down, you're probably still holding that trend. So you're buying a 126, you got to give it all a long ways down, almost, yeah. almost to the double bottom at 111 and 112. That's yep. a lot of heat. I don't like yeah. taking 14 points of heat. So I would like to get it in the lower 120s if I was buying the dip. Um, you know, like I said, in some of these, you've been immediately rewarded. Like in the EA that I bought the dip on that one, I was pretty much immediately rewarded. Um, I, I basically took no heat on it at all. Um, I also bought the dip in Glue Mobile last night, and I took no heat on that at all either. I bought it at 826 or something. It sold off almost 80 cents on their report. And I'm like, you know what? The stocks love this report. wasn't that bad. And it came right back. I still have Glue Mobile, obviously. I've had them. I took it through the report, but I actually did it for a trade too. I was buying the dip. I sold the trade portion of it last night. Still have it in the long-term portfolio, sticking with it. I think it's eventually going over 10 bucks just because this is one of those Michael Pactor calls. And he's does really well on the gaming stuff. Uh, I think one thing, one factor that you got to consider here in Roku, you know, being down, you know, nearly $12. High of the rebound yesterday, so oh, I should have sold yesterday. You know the old, yeah, the, old, the day after the fact trick. So um, it's still, I mean, this thing was under seventy dollars. So even so, people whacking bids here, one twenty-five, really one thirty. Yeah, yeah. Even though I mean, it looks like a big dip down eight percent on the day, when you put it in perspective, like Spinner was just saying, it's just back to where it was a day and a half ago. Yeah. So it was not much of a dip, but the report was fine. So it's not like, you know, media will find a reason, a fundamental reason to say why it's selling off. The, the bottom line is price for perfection. It was probably going to sell off no matter what they said. S&P's leaking a little bit here. Uh, where nervousness, we are. nervousness ahead of the report. Yeah, I agree. 17 handles off the high, 29.23. Uh, after we hit that 29.23, we had a dip. That dip came right to mid-range at 29.0150. So if you're inclined to, uh, you know, to buy or, you know, to pick it up on this downdraft, I'm looking at 29.0150, a uh, little bit of intraday support for you. Jump over here. Other stocks reporting last night. Um, there, there was a pile of stocks. We had over 230 stocks total reporting yesterday. None of the big, big names. We're None. kind of through a lot of the big names. But there's a lot of still interesting names out there. Um, there, there was First Solar reported, Booking.com and TripAdvisor, I believe, both, both reported last night. They did not do well, which was somewhat you'd think expected too. Uh, you want to go to the Booking report here, Spencer, because that one's kind of interesting. Yeah, we can. We can. There, we can go. We can do Uber. We can do Herbalife. But yeah, and we'll, list, do, we'll do Uber. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Okay. So BKNG uh, reporting after the close yesterday. Q1 EPS three dollars and seventy seven cents versus a six dollar ten cent per share estimate. Massive miss for booking yesterday. Sales two point two eight. 
billion versus 2.31 billion. So not as bad uh, on the sales, but just a tremendous earnings miss. And you knew it'd be bad. You knew, yeah, it'd be you bad. knew it'd be bad. Just like Roku was priced for perfection, booking was priced for disaster. And that's why you only see it down 1% this morning on an epic disaster of a report. So, and you do have some support down here. And the dip was bought on this too, because this was lower last night, Mr. Alconan. Bring up that it after Yeah, start. real briefly. I mean, this thing is the so The algo is just like, holy cow, we just sell everything. It's a horrible mess. But they weren't thinking. Where do we get down to? 1389. Yeah, so we're already 40 points off the lows. So the initial news algo that hits it down 50 points on that wasn't taking into a, the facts that, well, everybody knew booking was going to miss. Logic, you know, sometimes can help you. That's the one thing about algorithms. And, you know, obviously they're very effective with speed, but they don't adjust. You know, we don't have, you know, the Watson that's thinking on the fly. I don't believe that's at least out there anyways, that the algos are adjusting because of, you know, new factors. And that's why I will tell you, um, you know, we have over, you know, we got a hundred traders at Bright Trading, many of them very consistent every day. And, you know, some of them do use algorithms to help, but a lot of these are still point and click guys too. And some of the point and click guys, and we have some great traders, point and click traders in our chat here at pre-market prep. So, I mean, you have great, you know, traders that are still point and click. And the reason, you know, and I've had, you know, a lot of experience on the algorithmic side of it. You know, I know some of these programmers in Fusion. You know, I know some people over there that were doing the high, pro, uh, high frequency programming for a lot of the big guns. And, you know, my buddy worked over there, you know, a good friend of mine. And he used to say to me years ago, he's like, how are you still in business? Like, I've been trying to put you out of business for a decade. And, you know, my, my answer to that is that a human being can adjust a lot quicker to new factors, new factors than an algorithm. The algorithm can pro do what it's programmed to do. But if something changes, factors change, there's actually those algos could start losing money. And there's an advantage for a human being to identify that. And again, you know, the algo is just hitting on random news. Oh, here's a mess. You know, you know A minus B does not equal C type deal. And, um, you know, and then they then and then obviously, you know, they, they lose money on those. So in some cases it works, but and, and maybe it's still working because they're still running these news algos. But there's an opportunity there to identify, you know, when you've got a crowded trade, a lot of the algos sometimes maybe don't, you know, think about, you know, the, the current factors. Uh, interesting thing here about BKNG too, and what what you're talking about. Uh, and I, I I usually don't note the volume too much on on things, but uh, in that bracket where they whacked it uh, after the print, uh, it traded forty thousand shares, uh, a little over forty thousand uh, in that fifteen minute bracket. Thirty nine thousand of it was on upticks and 1200 on down ticks. So someone hit it very lightly, you know, and they got it down there. And then <laughs> the big boys or the, you know, the heavy volume traders came in and took it right back up. So little algos hitting the way down, big boys on the way back. I, I don't know what to tell you about this stock. I, I just, I'll tell you the pre-market low uh, and that was 1389 and then you got 1450 is resistance. Uh, you've hit that twice since the rebound. So anyone in between there, anyone's guess. Uh, someone asked about Expedia, EXPE. Technically, I do see that 70 level that you're talking about, 69.91. Looks like you got, you got some levels ahead of that. So just check out your daily levels ahead of that. You have, um, you know, looks like you got a seller at, well, yesterday's high, 67.30. Let's take care of that first. And then 
68.41. So just kind of quiet, consolidating, uh, good support down at 63. These are all going to move with the airlines. So when you're looking at Expedia and Booking and TripAdvisor, they're all going to trade together to a certain extent. They all do to a certain extent all the time, but even more so right now, uh, because obviously flights and, and, and travel agencies, yep. online travel agencies go hand in hand. I mean, yes, you know, they do hotels. Yes, they do car rentals. But I mean, for the most part, when you're traveling, you're flying somewhere. So this is, um, you know, just watch the airlines for leadership here, too. We saw a little bit of that in Boeing yesterday, I would say. You know, there is the argument. You know, we've been trying to look for a bottom for a couple of times. There's the argument. You put a little double bottom in Boeing yesterday. Also, we saw a little bit of life in some of the airlines. They didn't make new lows yesterday. Still haven't. Yep. They're still awful looking charts, but... Most of them were actually up yesterday, just like the banks were up. I mean, all this stuff, all this trash seems to, and we're calling it trash, but not that they're trash companies, but they've been trash stocks for a while. And they all seem to move together. And I do believe when you start seeing the airlines pick up, you'll start to see the financials pick up. You'll start to see some of the retail pick up. That stuff's all kind of moving together. And then you have the tech trade. That is just buy any dip. We got to be in tech. This is where we're going to hide out. Eventually, that trade will be crowded, too. I'm loaded up in tech. I still believe tech long-term. My long-term portfolio is loaded up in tech. You've seen the kind of stocks I've been buying on the pullbacks, the Microsofts and the EA, and, you know, the stocks that I believe are going to be there, um, you know, regardless of whether we're, you know, in this social distancing thing for a prolonged period of time. But if we start to look like we're going to open, if we start to look like there's, you know, that, that we have some hope here, some of the stuff that's really beat up will go up a lot more than the tech stocks. Sure. Can we go to can we go to Uber here? Uh, yes, we, we can. Yeah, we kind of skipped over that report, and I want to do it right now. Uber reported last night Q1 an EPS loss of a buck seventy per share. So, uh, they missed the eighty three cent loss estimate by a lot. Sales three point five four versus three point five one billion dollars. So they are they have revenue, but the earnings aren't there yet. Uh, and the I don't think that they were talking one or two quarters ago about, about being profitable in the near term. I think that's out the window now. Uh, the CEO is on CNBC talking up Uber Eats. That's kind of been their saving grace here, but this is another one that you knew would be bad, and they did buy the dip, though. So They, they bought the dip on this one, too. Where did we get down to last night, Joel? Uh, 29.50. 29.50, and then they just turned around and ripped it higher. So they bought yeah. the dip on this one, too. I mean, if you think about it, and they're like, oh, the quarter wasn't that bad. The sales actually beat. Well, you know, and that's what the bulls are trying to justify the move here with. But April sales, the guys that the CEO said, are, were down 80%. 8 zero, not 8%, 8 0. 80% down. And then, you know what's propped the stock was on the call. They started saying, but we're seeing an uptick here. And we're seeing, and I believe he said, you know, that over the last four weeks, we're seeing better, 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 and uh, up, you know, 10%. Does that mean up 10% from being down 80%? Does that mean like it's still down 73% or whatever it is when you do the math? Is that what that means? Because if we're still down 73% on sales, that's not an uptick. And they ripped the stock on the fact that the CEO is saying, oh, it's starting to see an uptick here. We're up over 10%. I believe it was 10% or 13% he said in the last couple of weeks. So if that means, I don't know, if, if we, I wish I would have been on the call because I would ask for clarification. Does that mean you're up 13% from being down 80%? Yes. Because that means you're still yeah. down more Wait. than 70%. Who was, who was the CEO, it was last week, I think, or maybe the week before, that, that said, like, uh, sales were down 
uh, our bookings were down like 98%, but they've bottomed. Yeah, the bookies are down 98%, but they've bottomed. Okay, they didn't go <laughs> no. down 100 We don't see them going down 100%. They're not going down all the way to zero. We don't see them going down 100%. I mean, and that's this market. It's It loves the silver lining. They turned around. The stock was down. They started talking about this stuff, and they ripped it higher. They're like, it's, it's turning around. They were up 10%. And the media say, oh, the sales were up 10% in the last two weeks. From down 80%. Let's tell the whole story. Anyways, whatever. I have egg on my face. I thought they... I, the lift kept going up. The Uber, I'm not shorting these things because how do you short these rocket ships that, you know, are just, you know, on the hope trade and running with it? But I'm not sticking them in my long-term portfolio because I think these are still disasters. I think that April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December are not going to be good. Not the next month. I think it's going to be down for a prolonged period of time because there's people nervous. Yes, there's going to be people who take an Uber. But these sales aren't coming back to where they were in January or February. And maybe this market doesn't care. Maybe this market is accepting of the fact that some businesses are just going to have significantly less sales, and we're okay with that. Maybe they're accepting of the fact because Disney's rallying because Shanghai's, you know, sold out a bunch it's of tickets. It's faded a little bit. It, it sold out a bunch of tickets, and, you know, oh, yeah, sold out. But at 30% capacity. So maybe they're accepting of the fact that Disney Park is only going to be 30% full. Well, that's good enough. Well, you know what? It's good enough maybe for shareholders right now. It's not good enough for the companies. These companies are still burning a ton of cash. Somebody said Disney is losing a billion dollars a month right now. I don't know if that's true. I read that on Twitter. I haven't verified any of that information. That's an incredible cash burn. A billion dollars a month. I don't know, like I said, if that's true. But if that's true, that is just the scariest thing. Because you look at where Disney was one year ago with all the parks open and no COVID. And we were one year ago trading around 105, 110 before we had the big boost from Disney Plus. Plus, yep. So now here we are, parks closed. We don't know when they're all going to reopen. Yes, they opened downtown Disney. Yes, you know, there's hope. But I mean, I just think there's so many better places for your money, safer places right now safer. that we know yep. that we know are going to be okay. That's why money is really flying into stocks like Microsoft. Because you know what? Microsoft's the whole gaming aspect of it. That's why, you know, you're seeing Apple come back because people aren't getting rid of their iPhones. So you're seeing the big tech names that people, the purchases are more sticky, um, you know, at really Excel. Disney has held up the best out of all the travel stocks because Disney really, when you think about it, is travel and entertainment. It really is. You know, yes, they have some other aspects of the company, but for the most part, the big bulk of their money comes from people going to the parks and um, obviously making movies, you know, so the entertainment aspect of it. And they have their own cruise line and stuff, but they have got a pass. They haven't got hit like, you know, their RCLs and the Norwegians because it's Disney. And you know what? They would raise capital very easy because they're Disney. So I get it. I'd get that Disney isn't going to go down. I would buy it if it went down to 20 or $30. You know they're going to be able to raise capital. So if it was a stock that lost like 70 or 80% of its, 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 its market, uh, market cap, you know, in this, I would have bought it too because it's Disney. So it's going to be higher. But again, they're at a point now, it's like they're not really pricing in that much disaster at all. That's so, that a pretty good tangent. You, you went from buying a dip in Uber to Disney. That was, that was good. They're, uh, they're comparable. I, I mean, they're not comparable, but I mean, their biz, their sales are down. I'm looking at companies that sales have fallen off the cliff. Yep. Disney and Uber sales have both fallen off the cliff. Disney can take that probably for a long time. Uber, if sales stay down 80, 70, 60% for a long time, I don't know what that means. There's a huge cash burn. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe everybody can just raise capital because right, we're Dennis, in the Dennis, market. Dennis, I know, uh, the, I know the 80, or we got the jobs number, so. Yep. 
I yeah. got to go wide. I went on a tangent. Take a it over. Run. I had trade for five minutes. Well, we have a couple of minutes. We have like a minute and a half, but I, I guess I'll give you some numbers here. Uh, I just want to give you a real quick. Uber matched yesterday's low at 29.50. That low was 29.58. That really ridiculous pop. Took it up to 34.20. Just kind of a slow leak here. Uh, level of control here will be that closing price from yesterday is 30.93. That absolutely needs to hold. Go ahead, Spencer. All right, estimate for this number, the I, I guess the consensus range, I'm seeing anywhere between 21 and 22 million jobs lost last month. That would be uh, that would be the worst since uh, since since I guess since the Great Depression here. Uh, let's see. The, it, during the Great Recession, the worst it ever got was uh, we lost 800,000 jobs. Uh, oh, here we go. The worst monthly loss on record was two million in September. Of 19, All of a sudden, the market market's caring about this right now, folks. We're at twenty nine oh two. We're twenty God, the highs twenty nine twenty three. We are coming right in the mid range on the session here. So let's see if the bulls can defend here. Bulls need to hold this twenty twenty nine oh one fifty. We're dipping a little bit, but we're back here. Jobs report imminent. They like it. Look at they're ripping it again. We we dipped. And now we're ripping. So whatever they're seeing, they're liking, folks. Uh, right back up. We went down to, what was the low there in that bracket? Mm. Wish could have had a little bit out there. We did get to 2901.50 right on the nose. We hit that. Your bounce took you to so far 13 and a half. Uh, there you go. Your pre-market high comes in at uh, 29.23. We are continuing to race higher. We are at 1675. We just hit uh, 1718. 18's the high here. 2923. Uh, so far, by the dippers here, being rewarded. What well, do you got the, on the number? There? Yeah, the numbers were okay. Uh, I mean, I say yeah, okay. I, 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 I say okay. They were horrible. They were horrible, but they weren't as bad as some estimates. So the consensus estimate for the non-farm payroll, like I said, was anywhere from 21 to 22 million jobs lost. Uh, just uh, over 20. It was 20 and a half million jobs lost last month. And the unemployment rate came in at 14.7% versus a 16% estimate. So unemployment, I mean, historically bad estimates, a little bit uh, too bad. So, I mean, the fact that the, both numbers came in a smidge above the consensus expertise. I, I don't know how to interpret this. I mean, these, these numbers are horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. I, it, yeah. But, uh, but it doesn't matter because we're going to concentrate on the price action. And right now, it uh, really, before that number, got a little bit nervous, 29.0150. Don't know if you could have gotten done there because that was the actual actual low there. Um, and then you popped to 20, 29.18. So you came up just shy of the high of the session. So we'll see. Those are your two parameters. I mean, absolutely holding 29.0150. Uh, bulls are firmly in control for the remainder of the day. Uh, really random walk here between 29.0150 and that 29.18 we hit quickly. But uh, what would really be super impressive for the bulls here is to continue this rally, um, take out the pre-market high 29.23, and then uh, take a shot at that high close for the rebound. 
So just to put the, just to put this into some historical context here, so the this is from Carl Quintanilla tweeted this this morning. The post World War II record for the unemployment rate is ten point or was prior to today ten point eight percent from November of eighty two. The uh, highest unemployment rate during the financial crisis was ten percent October of '09, and the all time record which we didn't hit. Thank God, I guess. Uh, 24.9% in 1933. So uh, we're at, four, where are we at? 14, uh, 14.7% here. So it's the highest we've seen as far as unemployment since 1933. I mean, just horrendous stuff. Horrendous stuff. Market uh, silver lining market. We'll, we'll, we'll throw the horrible estimate out there so that we can beat that estimate and the market will rally on it. You know, it's the same thing like on the deaths. Okay, well, we'll throw the worst case scenario, this 200,000 deaths, and then when we come in at 150,000, it'll be okay. And then they obviously got a little bit greedy and they jacked down 60,000. We're trying to jack it back up. But I mean, when you lower the expectations so far, we know just from trading stocks, this works in the real world too. Um, you know, in the business world, you lower your expectations so far, even like when you're buying a, like a car or something, or, you, or you're buying something you're negotiating, you go with this really low ball price and it gets the other person like, oh, you know, sometimes they'll just walk away, but sometimes it gets them thinking. And then you come up a bit and they're like, oh, that's not so bad. It's all about, life is all about expectations. And this is the way the market is right now. I mean, we've got this, oh, we're better than the Great Depression, so we're pretty good. So let's buy stocks. <laughs> It's absolute nonsense thinking, but that's how it works. And that's how this market continues to climb this wall of worry. And that's why I'm not short stocks. Um, I'm not bullish. I'm not bearish. We're in a trading range here, but I'd say sell the, sell the rips, but I'm also still comfortable to buy dips. I wasn't comfortable to buy dips in March because it was ugly. And I didn't know, you know, where we, I don't think anybody knew where we were going when we were in the middle of March, when, you know, that we had the, the Russell fell almost 50%. I mean, it was a crash. We crashed in, in the month of March, which is incredible. 167 down to, you know, like 95. I mean, not, I guess for over 40%, but just a huge fall. So now everything doesn't seem that bad because we got all this bad stuff out in March and everything's like, oh, we're doing okay. I don't know the second wave on this thing and that. That's why I'm going to stay in with a lot of cash. Well, I'm not that- coming in buying Uber and Lyft. That are stocks that are really, uh, they're really ground zero. What, buying them before? No, the valuations were insane before. And now you're going to come buy them when their sales are down 80%. You're buying Uber today. The people who are buying Uber this morning, and it's probably going to keep going up. Who the hell knows? I'm not going to short it because this FOMO thing can carry stocks a lot farther. It's got the story going. The story is, oh, sales are coming back. Yeah, we were from up 10% from being down 80%. Great. You know, but the stock, has come all the way back. We are now where we were at the beginning of March on Uber. So Uber falls from $33, $34 really in the, in, in the beginning of March. So if you go first day of March, when this thing really started, down to under $14 at $13.71, it's all the way back up. So it's basically priced in that the crisis is over. I think it's wrong. I don't think the crisis is over. I'm not buying Uber. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's just uh, take a quick look at, uh, well, the S&P's hit that level and now they're just kind of, they're kind of leaking. So you found, you found some sellers, you found some buyers, you found some sellers, and now you're almost in that range. So 
I'm going to stick with those parameters. I'm I'm not going to put the Super Bowl hat on until we take out that pre-market high at 29.23, hold it, you know, for at least 15 minutes. And I'm going to try not to lean bearish until, you know, we take out that that low right there at 29.0150. That's uh, your mid-range on the session right now in the middle. Uh, we were asked, just a quick look at CyberArk here. Someone just asked me about that. Um I don't know. Did they have any news today? Any earnings or anything? Or is it just trading well, up? The, for the entire sector was up yesterday. Uh, let me see. I don't know if they had news. Chart looks good. I mean, it was on I my wouldn't... shopping list. I don't know where the shopping list even is. It's buried here. I've actually <laughs> filled a lot of the stocks. I should go find it. CyberArk. I got like a million sheets of paper with a million notes here. But I'll tell you, CYBR was on the list and still is on the list. I have not bought it. I looked at this a few days ago, like $98, and I thought about, man, if it's getting up over 100, it's going to look good. I missed it. I didn't, I didn't notice it gapping up over 100. I like CyberArk. Okay. Uh, I just, you, you, not up on a little bit of volume. Someone made a print, but keep an eye on this 107.61. Uh, that was your March high. And you're right back up there right now. So once uh, you got up to 106.57 yesterday, so this kind of looks like a Rob Hood chart, you know, where it's up near the top, it's trading up. Uh, I don't know if I'm really going to go into, you know, buying it up that much from the open, but uh, above that, I mean, it's just a sticky area because you actually had three highs right there at that from 106.78 to 107.61. So hold it there, break out. Maybe you see 110 there in the issue. Uh, S&P's back on, back heading north here, uh, up 31.50. So but doesn't look like they're going to hit this market. Maybe we're going to have the, uh, the old close Friday on the high of the week and um, good week for shareholders. And we can hold it. Spinner here. making the good point for FTNT was the catalyst there. And oh yeah. I, I, there's yep. so many earning stocks there and I didn't even look at FTNT yesterday. So there you go. Chat Spinner helping us out there with why, you know, all the cyber stuff. FTNT really and also uh, FireEye caught some love on CBC. Oh my goodness. Last numbers. night. They, okay. Not, time for another, another thirty-second rant. Thirty, and it'll be like three minutes. But holy mackerel, does CNBC move stocks? They talked about this, and I don't know if people know they're going to talk about it or what, because it was up like forty cents before they even started talking about it. And then they started talking about FireEye on CNBC, and all of them were giving it some love on Fast Money. It went. It was it was Michael Michael Coe with the options, and he saw some option buys or something. You know, like this market is so hungry for any trading idea that's long. The stock goes from 12.40 last night to 13.25 in the next two minutes because um, you know we're looking at some options. Some people bought some options. I mean, and they say this on CNBC. It's showing you how much drive retail has right now because people are watching this and they're like, oh, you know, they're buying this. I'm gonna go buy this one. And it went from 12.40 to 13.25. What is that? That's like a five, six percent move in three minutes. It wasn't news. It wasn't an upgrade. It was somebody looking at some options and found some buyers of some calls. I mean, it's nuts. Anyways, it's right back down to where it was. But, you know, the last night it was trading actively over $13 because CNBC and Guy Dami said it was his trade of the day, um, the, his closing trade of the night too, and that helped it out too. So, you know, we love these guys. Love Guy Dami. Um, you know, they're all very good people, good traders as well. They are so influential right now. You have to, even if you hate them, you've got to listen to these guys because they are moving stocks and they're not meaning to move stocks. They're just giving their opinions. You know, there's nothing, you know, like when Josh Brown was talking Peloton, he said he didn't own it. He was just giving his opinion, but his opinion 
is moving stocks. And Jim Cramer, if he says anything right now, he can turn a stock right around. Like Etsy yesterday morning was down $4 when he started talking about it. Etsy was down 4 bucks, And he said, I think it could go green. I watched Etsy rally three points in the next minute. Like it was down all morning $4. So it's not coincidence that all of a sudden it takes off three points. Jim Cramer said it could go green. They're buying, taking a green right now. It didn't quite grow green, but man, it came close. So it's crazy how much they move off of CNBC commentary. And uh, you also mentioned the retail factor that if it's a $300 stock or a $400 stock. Those don't stock, move. They don't move. They don't move hardly at all. When they, and it's rare, but you see it sometimes where they talk about a bigger stock um, on, on CNBC and they hardly move because people aren't going to buy a $300 stock you know, that, that are watching CNBC. It's funny. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy how much this price can move. All right. Let's, uh, let's get back to some earnings here, Spencer. We still yeah. got quite a few. No, no, no super big boys, but some interesting reports nonetheless. A couple more minutes before Jason's going to join us here. In the meantime, let's go to Herbalife real fast. We talked about this one on the after average or the, the, uh, the, the closed show yesterday. And uh, they, they blew it away, plain and simple. Q1 EPS for Herbalife, 83 cents versus a 59 cent estimate. Sales of 1.3 versus $1.1 billion. So it's sales and earnings beat for Herbalife uh, last quarter. And the stock is just blasting off here. Up 627. Wow. 43.24. That's a big move for that stock. I don't understand what they sell. Don't understand multi level marketing. Uh, I just gave you the. 4390. You hit that. You hit that quite a few times here in the after hours and pre-market. So clear out that seller probably actually has his order at 44, but he's hitting any bids above uh, 4380. That's your level. Uh, way above the high of the move. What do I see sticking out here um, above that? Oh, man. Not much. That's all I could give you on that one. You had 4391 and then 40. 44.37. There were a pair of highs back there in January. So above that opens up for two bucks, but uh, hands off and alongside. I mean, Spencer had a good call on this. Spencer, you know, you had the call on this, and what was what were you saying? Was it yeah two days ago you were talking about this? I was yesterday. It just basically that when when the economy contracts, people look who don't who aren't working are looking for for work and looking for yeah. ways to make money. And and I I do remember Herbalife. Uh, doing really well during the recession, during uh, 08, 09. So uh, it, it's just a, people it's signing like, up to, yeah, you know, people to, sign, to get involved. Just to, people to, sign up. To get right. some money. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was a good call. It stocks up. I mean, that was a good call. It's thinking like that. Like if you can get ahead of the trade just by using your logic and people say, why do you use logic? You know, because logic will get you into trades. I mean, that flur that we talked about and, you know, and Mike from the chat brought, brought this to us, you know, a, a month ago. And, you know, he was talking about this when it was $35. He's like, it's the thermal cameras. I mean, when we go to reopen, they're going to, you know, need to, you know, obviously do temperature checks. And this is one of your leaders in thermal imaging. And, you know, we talked about this a couple of times on the show. And I've said, you know, I, I've said it on the show. This is one of you know, the biggest positions in my long-term portfolio. Uh, just, you know, and the end of my swing trade portfolio too. I got nervous and sold half of it through before the earnings report. I need to start just taking stocks through the earnings reports because it seems like they go up no matter what anyways. I'm glad I took the Glue Mobile one through and I've taken a couple other ones through Activision Blizzard. But I guess I just got to start not being nervous holding the trading ideas through the earnings reports because they continue to work. 
But I mean, this thing is up from where Mike was talking about it, you know, at $35, I think, um, in, in our chat. Uh, it, it's up at 48 bucks. And why? Because you know what? They got a contract from Amazon. That was the big initial move or something. Um, you know, in GM the other day, they're, it's just, you know, you're getting ahead of the trade. You're thinking, where is the story going to go? Story is all about opening. I mean, these stocks, this Flora Systems, is thermal imaging. So I'm in this right now. I'm long it. I'm planning on holding it for a bit because I don't think the story, I don't even think the story's got hot yet, you know, with this thermal imaging stuff. Yes, they're talking about it, but I haven't heard a lot of, somebody said Fleur was mentioned on CNBC yesterday. That would be the first time because I haven't heard it mentioned on CNBC at all. I missed that segment. Uh, but I mean, this is a stock that could get hot. So it's up again here this morning. So I'm sticking with it. I think the stock could go at 55 bucks. Uh, it's just funny that, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned about Kramer and stuff. And then George mentioned in the chat, the original guy was Dan Dorfman. And uh, Dennis, you probably, I, I know Spencer. Dan Dorfman? I don't know him. You were probably, you were probably still in high school. Uh, Spencer, I don't even know. Spencer, I don't even know. He might have been born. Yeah. He would come on CNBC every day at like one o'clock or like some specific time. And it would be, you know, because I was market making in uh, New York stocks and then we had other people market making in NASDAQ stocks. And so everyone would be glued to the TV and it'd be What's like, say? Dorfman, what? well, first of all, the stock used to have, I mean, used to have to go super wide because you used, used to have to be, you know, it'd be a market. You were maker. making markets on it. You were making then. markets. So uh, in, I, George said he got ran over once and then you would like the Dorfman stock and then. I remember there was this internet fish company. That's what I used to call it. Diana something, DNA. And you would sit there. They had commissioned free trading. And I had that stock, and it was really thin, and it was the Dorfman stock. And then all of a sudden, you look on your monitor, and it's like, buy 5000 buy 10000 buy 10000 And you're like, oh, my God, you know? And then the markers would go wide, and then you'd have to, you know, shake it out. But uh, now that's just, uh, you know, Dor I, he passed away quite a few years ago. But uh, so you got it's CNBC. So bottom line, CNBC has always moved stocks. Yes. You know, when you get media, a big media person yes. coming and talking, Kramer has always moved stocks. Yes. What, the point I was making is I feel like they're moving them more than they ever have before. Like I used to think, because I've traded these things, and you think, oh, you know, Kramer mentioned something that's worth one or two percent. Sometimes these things go like. You know, that NAT, that when he had that CEO, and that was just a great interview. I mean, but you know, the guy was saying, "Oh, we're raking it in." I mean, that went up like twenty-five percent on the interview. I mean, I've never seen a move like that. That's got to be the most historic, biggest move I've ever. Well, there was uh, there was a couple other ones. Like, and Seago was on there on Mad Money, and it really moved there too. So, you know, there is some stocks, you know, that obviously move significantly, and it always has happened. I just feel like they're moving them more. Let's so. get uh, let's get Jason's thoughts on this. Jason yeah. Rasek is here, CEO of Benzinga. Jason, do you remember Dan Dorfman? I don't, I don't I don't know if you do. Oh no, you're on mute. He's got a new mic and he's on. He, he he's, he's got he's got he's got a new mic, but we can't hear him. The mic looks awesome. He's not too. saying anything now. No, he is. He's talking. He's moving his lips. Yeah, here. Hold on. Um, I don't know. Bottom corner. He, he's got a fancy Zoom. he's got a fancy new microphone. It looks that, awesome too. That, that looks amazing. He's dressed to impress. Try it's, switching switching the inputs there. Yeah. All right, okay. He's, he's, gonna figure it he's, out. he's giving us the, the one second. All right. I don't so, see like, him talking. No, no, oh, no. now I see him talking. Right, no, he was talking he was talking. So okay. Now, there yes, he is. There he is. That's not what the microphone I'm using. That's the wrong microphone. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. 
I'm gonna try new mic looks to, awesome. Um, I love the I'm new mic. To, I'm going to try to go back to the, the new microphone, but then I'll go back to this. One sec. Okay. Um, yeah, me, I, me. That's, that's way before my time, Joel. How you doing? Yeah, Jason, we, we're here. All right, let's go. So Dan Dorfman, yeah, I remember him. I wasn't like – he was more in your time, Joel, but yep. uh, I remember the guy. But I have to say something about this Kramer thing. So when Kramer had the CEO of NAT on um, or in Sego, here's a trade I used to make, guys. This is before Benzinga days. There was uh, Kramer at Action Alerts Plus. And he still does, a premium product of the street.com. And I was a contributor to Real Money or a writer. I ran part of the Real Money products for the street. And one of the things before that, I was an Action Alerts Plus subscriber. I would get those email alerts of what trades he was making for his charitable trust. And I would buy those stocks because like clockwork, literally three days, same day, a week later, those CEOs would be on the show. It was the bit, it was my, honestly, the easiest trade that, that I've ever seen. So he would write about it and then have the guest on the show and have the CEO on the show. And then it's going to pump when the CEO. Yeah. On. So well, Spencer more than write about it. It was buying it for the charitable trust. So I'd get the okay. alert. Even if I disagreed with the trade and which I did a lot, I bought it because the CEO was on and it was a way it wasn't like, he would say we made the guy on, but like the media covers like what, you know, people, when you know relationship, that's what you kind of cover. It's how you find out about stories. So Norton, uh, the NAT, I bought it at 310, right? And it went to, it's at 550. Why'd I buy it? Because Kramer three weeks ago on this chat room said, this stock is way undervalued. Actually the CEO of NAT, uh, Dennis is the first CEO I've inter interviewed for Benzinga in 2011 or 12. Can we get him on? I love that interview on CNBC. Sure. That guy was awesome. I was laughing you, out loud watching him. He was awesome. Dennis, the answer is for sure he would come on, but he doesn't know to come knock on our doors. We have to go knock on his door. He would for sure come on. I would give you a He'd be a good one. All right, all right. I'll, I'll reach out. I'll reach out. It was my first interview in 2011 and how I got it, they, the PR team there reached out. It's like my dad has this line like, Jason, think you're gonna come knock on your back door? No, you gotta go make it happen. And so um, he always just said his neighbor next door never got a job. He sat on his back porch waiting for him to knock on his door. And he's got to reach out. That guy's great. And I don't own an AT anymore, but that was another Kramer thing. So if you, listen to, if you listen to Kramer in between the lines, there's some stuff you can get, and then you'll see the CEOs on. And Seagull's another one. I mean, that is one that he's been talking about for a good period of time. Another one that Kramer's been talking about for a good period of time, and he's had our fellow Michigan friend on, Jeff Lawson. Twilio. So like those are ones that, you know, you just have to pay attention to the little nuances and then you can look. Now, yes, the market can go against you and all that. you got to be careful. But these are little advantages that you can take. You know, these are moves you can take advantage of if you pay attention. I just brought up that Twilio chart and that came out oh, from yesterday. That, that came out from yesterday. Holy moly. Wow. And, guys, and, and by the way, that's Jeff Lawson. He would come on. I went to middle school, high school, college. I used to actually go to his house to get his mom to tutor me in, in pre-calc because I wasn't such a – I didn't study for the test. And me and my friend, Ryan Goodman, we'd go there the day before, Gal Loss and his mom, and literally he'd be, he'd be around the house doing some scientific thing. And him and I, would, this guy Ryan and I, would be sitting at the desk with, his, with the CEO of Twilio's mom teaching us calculus. That's what, and so and, 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 and the CEO of Twilio, I'll tell you one other story. He ran for president at the middle school that I was at, West Hills, and they made a video, him and his dad. His dad does like voices and stuff, and he's a doctor too. But um, 
they made a video and they had he had all the president's voices like George Bush, like saying vote Jeff Lawson. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I was in seventh grade. I still remember it. Jeff was in eighth grade, but I still remember that video. And um, he was always an entrepreneur, always figuring out uh, solutions to problems, very inquisitive. And I think that's a sign of a great leader and also a great CEO. So I've been long Twilio for a long, long, long time. And, but it's because of him. And also the other reason I, I like um, him and the company is because he's had his share of failures. He did multiple companies in college, raised money. He, he took a little bit extra time to graduate like I did doing a startup, but he, he went through more of the school of hard knocks. When you go through the school of hard knocks and you get more bruises, I think you're way better off when you're doing a company. So when Twilio stock got killed and everyone's just like, you know, going nuts about it, I knew the guy would rise back up and the company would rise up. Nothing really changed fundamentally. I mean, you would think there'd be more competition at Twilio because it's a text messaging service, an API service. Why isn't there other ones in the space now competing? It's a good question because I don't really have that answer. Uh, Jason, I don't remember if you said it last week whether you sold uh, TAST or not, but they're getting an upgrade this morning from Craig Hallam uh, to buy. You upgraded this thing a month ago. Wow. A buck and a half. I, I did not know that. I did not know it um, got to buy. That's, that's awesome. So I bought TAST, Carol's Group, at 141 and then 161 It's now at 306 um, I sold about 25% of the position, so I bought more. Um, when it hit like whatever somewhere in the twos and now it's at 320 and I told you guys a month and a month ago um, I told you guys a month ago. This is a call option it's either gonna go to ten dollars or it's gonna struggle and go bankrupt Which I didn't bankrupt not the thing, but it just wouldn't move So I like the risk versus reward. I like to have some some flyers I know Dennis talks about this, but I like to have some ones that are you know you can buy a bunch of shares of that and It gets to ten you have a huge win so that TAST is a huge win right now. I still own it. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to sell it for a while, to be honest. Um, and I'm going to, you know, I sold some. So I, I basically sold what it cost me to buy the, the stock. So the Good rest idea. is just is just profits. But money. to be honest, in hindsight, Spencer, I should have sold a cent. I mean, my friend is ripping on me because I sold too early. Jason, I, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm the trader. I'm, my biggest problem is I get in the trades and I get in at good prices, but then I get out too early. I mean, you know, Cole gave us that in Seago and I got out of that one way too early as well. What'd Question you to you as a trader, and you're not obviously as active as I am, how do I learn to hold on longer? How do you hold on to trades? Like you're in this, you know, TAST, you only sold 25%. You, you're up, you know, 150 or 200% in the trade here now. How do you hold on? So it's a great, it's a great question. It really, really um, is a great question. It's so I suck at it. Twenty years and I suck at it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll I'll tell you. And you guys, I mean, I see in the chat room, but like you guys are gonna make fun of me, Dennis. I think part of it is having multiple accounts because I mean, I'll talk about my losers too, guys. I don't want to just talk about winners. But I I bought Google in the IPO and I like right when it went public, and it was in a different account. And I bought a decent amount. I was wondering, I have never sold a share of it. And I like thought, and I didn't, I don't even look at that account. About a year and a half ago or two years, I went to the account. I thought there was a mistake from America, like that it was so, I couldn't believe what, what it's at now. Yeah. I really think part of it is not looking at it every day. I mean, yeah. I sold, I sold Facebook. So I've owned Facebook for a while, guys. I had a, I don't know, 250% gain or whatever. I sold it during this whole market um, malaise stuff. Sold it at 172 or something. And why do I think I sold it? I think it's because I saw it every day in my account and in the main account that I trade on. 
and just gave me like, hey, I, there's better opportunities. In right. hindsight, I wish I didn't sell it. I wish it was in my other long-term account because Facebook and Google aren't going away. It's one of those and Apple. So why did I sell some? I sold some Apple too. Um, so I've had it for so long. I sold uh, 260. I sold like 5% of the positions at 7%. And again, if it was in my other account, I would never have thought about it. So I do think there's something to say. What are your stocks that you, that not stocks, what are the companies that you want to be a shareholder of? What do you want to own? What do you think people are going to still buy? I mean, I got rid of the Facebook. I'm like, in the short term, um, small businesses are not going to advertise as much. Local companies are all closed. So I thought I'm being all smart because local companies aren't advertising to Facebook local. So I think I'm being smart in the short term. But what I needed to remember is I have a pretty big gain. I mean, percentage-wise, a big gain. So there's taxes. And do I, and then do I want to be owning Facebook five years from now? Well, the answer as of now is yes. So why'd I sell? So part of it is moving it to account that you just, you don't look at the stocks all the time. And um, I don't know, that, that's my answer to that one. I think the problem is I know I own it and I have separate accounts for investing. I have my day trading account, which you know I'm, I'm trading around with. I have three accounts and I have a swing trading account, which I don't look at as much. And I try not to look at my long-term investing account. The problem is when I, like for Shopify, this was you know, an example of where I've messed up and it's come back down you know, a little bit. But, There's an offering um, on that, isn't there? Uh, yeah, it's an offering today and we can talk about that after. But um, you know, I bought Shopify. I watched the stock go up 100% in three weeks from you know, April and I'm like, this, you know, just went from a $40 billion market cap to an $80 billion market cap. And I'm like, um, you know, it just seems like so much money so fast that I have trouble not just taking that profit. So, um, you know, I know I own it. I'm trading it. I'm looking at it all the time, Shopify, because it's an active stock. And I know I own it in my investment account. So it'd be nice to just take it off my screen, never look at the actual stock. But I know I own it, so I got to get get out of my head that I own it. Maybe it's when true. I stick in my long term account. And Shopify is another one of those people were talking about when it was in the three hundreds and where it's at today. And you'd be amazing if you can time it, like sell at the top, buy at the bottom. It's just virtually impossible if you don't have a crystal ball. But I, I'm getting to. I see some stuff in the the YouTube chat room. Sure. Um, one of the, two things. One of the things for short term trades, I go to Benzinga Pro and I go to the signals. Um, widget and I use it to see what stocks are hitting 52 week highs during the day because usually the way I look at it stocks that are hitting 52 week highs are going to keep going because when you hit 52 week high you, you create new 52 week highs usually if you start hitting 52 week lows you tend to keep getting lower and it gets worse so I look at stocks that are on, that have momentum and I use our signals tool now one more thing I, I see some of the old stock picks so this was one of those weeks that you know, we three weeks ago I was on, four weeks ago on, I told you Peloton, P-T-O-N. I bought it at 23, and I can show my account, but I bought it at 23, 21. And I bought it because of the trade, the stocks that I'm trading are, are coronavirus plays. Too many of my friends' wives needed these Pelotons. And even like my sister, they have the treadmill and they have this other, you know. And before Corona, I wanted to short Peloton, thinking that, you know, the, the, the marketplace effect, isn't a big deal with millions of people on it. You can, you know, Nordic track can compete. But I went big into Peloton 21 to 23, and now it's at 44. Um, it just, some, you, sometimes, like, you got to, like, you don't necessarily need to think what the future is. You got to think what are people not really understanding or thinking now. So it's that informational edge that yeah. is really hard to establish. And informational edges become harder and harder when more people are in the thing. So the thing that people think on Peloton is like, well, everyone already knows that some people are going to buy Peloton to their house, but they just don't know the grand scale. And the other one that I would say about that, that I talked to you guys about, 
And I got this one from Luke Jacoby, but I also investigated. And then I'll give you my next trade. But the, the other one was New York Times. New York Times, I talked to you guys about when it was at 33, went down to 32, 31, 29, 30. I mean, it was down there and now it's at 35, 10, they had earnings. It played out literally exactly how we described, like exa almost, almost exactly as Peloton. Um, Peloton just had a much bigger gain, but right now websites are getting a lot more traffic because people are at home. And when they're getting a lot more traffic, they're also getting a lot more subscriptions. So, and we looked at numbers, there was no one really forecasting or bringing the New York Times numbers, revising them higher. So I don't want to ever say there's a risk-free trade, Joel. I don't, but this was the closest thing that I've seen to that kind of scenario when no one is forecasting. You saw it with our traffic. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was a, that's your informational edge, right? We saw it with our traffic. So we knew our traffic was up a lot. And so New York Times is a lot bigger than us and been around a lot longer. So if our traffic's up a lot, it was a good thing to, now you guys, you never know. So you never know, like on the conference call, they say they had a, a security breach and everyone's like, you never know. So I don't want people to think, hey, you know, you buy, you leverage the house kind of thing but you take probabilities. It was a yeah. high, it was a high conviction trade. Now I'm to be honest, I'm going to just chatter. I'm not amazing at these high conviction trades because on those ones, I should buy call options. I should do this. But my problem with buying calls is I don't buy long enough dated ones and they'll expire. Sometimes my, my thesis is right that the yeah. trend, but they're too short. So I bought the stock and I did well on it, but I, you know, I didn't make a ton of money because I didn't buy the call options, which, my conviction's high. I think I should start trying to figure out how to buy calls again. You know, and then the next trade, can I give you a future trade? Yeah. Future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, can, we can talk about ones that, I mean, I gave you a bad one. I sold Facebook. That was bad. So I'm not just telling you ones I. What about Royal? What about these cruise lines? Oh, I mean, they're, they're, I, they're like, they're, they're like dead in the water. Here. Well, no pun intended here, but man, I mean, institution accumulation here. In these things, I mean, they're trying to rally. It's been quiet lately. Just talk I'm, about RCL. I'm all over that. Right before the show, I was studying it. Um, so you guys know I was shorting the cruise lines from like 40 to like – or 36 to like 24, yeah. at least for Royal RCL. Now RCL, I believe, is like around $39. You know, the 50-week high was about 100 and something, 135, I think. It's up there on the screen. So I want to short it again, Joel, because I think things are going to be longer than what, you know, um, time will tell, but I'm not seeing the trading patterns I like in it. So when I shorted it before, I would see two days of a dip, Joel, and then it would go up. Two days of a dip, not seeing that dip right now. And so I want to like short it hardcore, and I'm just not ready to, to stick my flag in on that one. I do think what's going to be, be annoying is that I'm going to screw up because they're going to announce something really bad, and it's going to drop – 30%, 40%. I'm like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. It's one of those that I'm afraid that could hit 50 before that happens. Yeah. It, and, yeah. If they, and if they come out with good news or something, I mean, you saw what happened to the market uh, midday yesterday. They came out with the same news on Gilead again about uh, their drug and it was approved in Japan and market rally to get on that. That's actually when we Moderna made the high. Too. It was the Moderna news, Moderna too, the market. news too. So the, the, oh. for the vaccine getting a long ways. I think Moderna was more of a driver yesterday, but there, there, there's news that will drive, you know, the overall stock, like your, your stock that you're in is very much affected by the overall headline on this virus right now, you know, and, and obviously cruise lines directly impacted there. I mean, we get news of a vaccine. That's good for cruise lines, but really good news. <laughs> Great news. Remember, Moderna was a, a stock pick we discussed in here a few weeks ago when I was pronouncing the name wrong. 
and but I was still long it, and I'm just staying long Moderna because it's a play on the Corona. Now it's not a huge stock. They're the um, leader right now for the vaccine. They're the only one that's got through stage two. I mean, they're flying right now. Yeah, so Dennis, I studied like four of those companies, and the reason I like Moderna was their the rapidity, like their speed, their velocity for testing. They have a new technology, this RNA thing, and they were the, the, what I saw at least in the video report and how they do it was way different than most. So that's why I went in on that one. Again, I'm no scientist. Just, you know, you get lucky sometimes in those ones. But the, um, I see the room asking me some questions here. Yes, New York Times is public. The symbol is NYT. And then Seago is I-N-S-G. Um, the um, thing that you guys are talking about is the news, like so Royal Caribbean. I had this happen to me a long time ago. Washington Mutual is a public company. I was short it like crazy. I bought, I bought puts. I was short it. It was at $40, 41 and this is when they had all these option arms, and I thought they were going to take a huge write down. I'll never forget it. Terry Killinger was a CEO. He gets on the conference call. And this is when I'm like listening to him and paying attention really detailed on all these companies. He gets on, there's like, we're just taking a $1 billion write off. Well, the market saw that as a, a positive. So it went from 41 to 48. I was like 26 then. And so I had 200 shares and I had puts, and I lost $1,600 that day. And I'm like, holy cow. You know, so I covered my short. So like maybe it's gonna go to 60. Well, from 48, then it went down to zero. But you know, sometimes these timing on shorts, you gotta be careful. You have to be high, have high conviction. And I had high conviction in Washington Mutual, but I was too young to realize that you, when it goes up, that's another advantage. It's an opportunity to go deeper in it. And that's that's how I looked at New York Times. New York Times, I started buying at 33, it went down to 29. I was begging for it to go to 25. I was begging. I would have loaded up the cart. It's like Warren Buffett saying the farm next to you, same price the guy sells it to you. I was begging for it. And those are the opportunities, like the Washington Mutual, when I you know, got out too early, I should have loaded up the um, basket with it and shorting it. And my next, my next little trades, and I don't have the picks. There's a couple that I'm looking at, but I'm buying today or Monday, but probably today, I'm buying two community bank stocks. 100% I am. And uh, a guy who's an expert says I'm probably too early on it. But my logic is this, this PPP loan, so many people are using community banks. Their assets have gone up tremendously over that. Yes, there's going to be a short-term earnings um, gain because they got 5%, use 3 to 5% on any loan they originated. But a lot of people who moved assets to the community banks or, or got the loan through it are moving assets to these community banks. And I don't, no one's really forecasting higher. These, stock, these community banks' stocks have not risen like I think they should because I know multiple people just from my relationships that are now moving more assets from the big banks to community banks. I think you're going to see some, a few surprises in them. And I have a few, like there's a few symbols I have and I can tell you next week. I, right would, I would bring your attention to QABA, which is the community bank ETF. So if you, you got to watch some of the ETFs. I just want to make a point here because it's really thin. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'd like to avoid all of the, if your ETF isn't trading a million shares a day, it's trickier, you know, cause you could get, you know, you have to get in and out of this thing. You look at the QABA and you know, it's, QABA? it's real thin. I mean, we're talking about an ETF that did a few thousand shares yesterday. These thinner ones, I would, you know, there's so many ETFs out there and I just want to make this point just to the listeners. There are so many ETFs out there. Uh, but if you go on these thinner ones, sometimes the spreads can be really wide and you can give up a lot of edge just in the spread. So stick with the thicker ones. If the, if the ETF's trading under 2,000, 3,000 shares a day, it could be really hard to get in and out of those. So some of these are great products and the spreads are there, but make sure you're looking and you're not entering an ETF that's got a 50 cent or a dollar spread. 
because some of them do, and those are tougher okay. to get in and out of. So a couple of the ones I am looking at though are P as in Peter, A C W, and H O M B S V B I. P A C W is yep. Pack West Bank Corp. It's down yep. from thirty five. It's at thirteen. They did cut their dividend uh, or seventeen at now. They did cut their dividend, but they they did the PPP loan. I think they're going to gain a lot of customers through this. Lisa, so I spent a lot of time surfing social media for opportunities like this. So I looked on Twitter and seen people saying, I love this bank. I love, you know, PacWest. You know, I'm trying to find opportunities like that other people aren't seeing. Because if I can find them before other people, that's where you get your informational edge. This so is I'm the best. It's the best use of Twitter. I mean, this is, I do the same thing. It's funny. You know, me and Jason, you know, obviously, you know, he's running a business. I'm trading full time, but I do all the same stuff that Jason's talking about. These are great tips because you find that, you know, like, oh, here's a story. Here's a potential story that could get hot. And, you know, you jump in just like, you know, that FLIR I was talking about with the thermal imaging, yeah, um, you know, that was brought to us by the chat. You know what I, I did? I go to Twitter. I was like, well, what other smaller companies are there out there? And you can find them. People are talking about them on Twitter. And I looked in this like M-A-R-K, this Remark Holdings, and it's a small penny stock. Uh, but I, I saw this at 40 cents. And you I was like, well, M-A-R-K. I know and it was a thermal buy. imaging play. And I bought Surprise a bunch you of it. Surprise you bought that, Dennis. Usually I bought a bunch of it at 40 stocks. cents. And usually I still have a little pe- bit. What's that? Yeah. What's usually don't buy penny stocks. No, but I was looking at the, the, the could a story get hot here? Yes. And, uh, and they're talking about, you know, what are the other thermal imaging? Because the story itself, I believe a thermal imaging, we're trying to reopen the economy. So I think thermal imaging companies, anything to do with thermal imaging could get hot. It could get some media attention going forward. So you find these little stories on Twitter and there was a bunch of people talking about M-A-R-K as being a play. I was like, I'll try it. You know, I just, just do a little, little bit. It's a speculative, it's 40 cent stock. You throw only speculative capital at it. The thing doubled in like a week and a half. So, I mean, there's opportunities by doing exactly what Jason Rasnick is talking about, looking around Twitter and getting ideas. There's some smart people on Twitter and there's some good ideas on there. So a lot of bad ideas too. But if you've kind of got, you know, you're looking, if you know what you're looking for, and I'm looking for like, okay, well, what's a thermal imaging stock? I don't know them. I don't know these penny stock thermal imaging stock. Like, okay, well, you know, people are talking about this one as a play. I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And you know what? It worked. And that was just from using Twitter, just like Jason Rasnick just said. And, 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 and Dennis, and some of it's not just finding like the comparable place. So this West Bank, what I am trying to find out is if people had good experiences with it. If a lot of people got, got loans through it, I can look through data that, that they announced as a company, or I could actually look at customers of theirs. I could go to trust scores. I can go to review sites and look at the volume of how many reviews I got after the PPP loan and that, those kind of things. And then that's how I make my trade. That's how I got in. That's why I went into Peloton big. I, I, I had my friends, you know, wives and that, then I looked more seeing like other friends and going down to Instagram, my new Peloton's coming. And yeah. so I'm looking for that social um, when, when Apple came out with the iMac in 2000 and something in the, the blue translucent cover, I went to CompUSA. It was a computer store back then. Three oh, weeks after Cop it came USA. Out. Yep, it was CompUSA. I waited three weeks after it came out because I, I didn't want the hoopla of the first week. I sat at CompUSA. I was 23 years old. I sat at CompUSA for three hours. I watched how people went around CompUSA. And I wanted to see if they would go to the Apple section because the Apple section was always away from the PC section. And there was all these gray computers and every computer is gray. So I wanted to see if people would go to the Apple section because this, this weird looking computer, this big blue translucent holder. And my theory of what that happening was right. And there was, it was, it was, this was not just because it was the grand opening of like the new Apples. 
So I went and bought that stuff when I bought Apple. My, you know, coffee's on Apple is like $12 or something. And I, that was when I, you know, I wanted to observe user trends and what they were responding to. It's the same thing I do now when I go and when I go and look at, you know, what these stocks are doing and what these companies are doing. I'm not going to always do that. Like on TASD, I didn't do that. It was, you know, you know, like you're looking at trends, you're looking at opportunities, but that's how I mostly go about it. I try to look at the fundamental stories. Like Joel will use levels and technicals. That's his expertise. Everyone has their own. The Peloton was the same thing though. That, that was, uh, uh, we bought, it was just Lisa wanting to buy it in January. This is before this has all happened. And so it was just a kind of thing where, you know, we started using it and I did and yeah, lost a, lunch better too to Dennis on it. But um, just real quickly, we're on the line with Jason Rasnick. He's the CEO and founder of Benzinga, uh, the sponsor of our show. Uh, Jason, we got a few more minutes here. We're getting uh, asked some macro questions here. And uh, Gary's asked this a few times. And I know what I, I have my answer. What do you think will make this market go down? What, what, you know, because it's just, it's been, it's not, it's not 20% unemployment or 15% unemployment. You know, what, what would really make this market go down? Yeah. I mean, it's like, we all want a crystal ball and it's, and sometimes it seems so obvious when people are like, Hey, this, you know, coronavirus, you're going to be locked up until the end of August. And, you know, and you think like these things have flown too quickly, too fast. I mean, if you look at the numbers, unemployment numbers are what they're at. Uh, restaurants are closed. I mean, the economy in many sectors is not good. And so the fundamentals, like you guys were talking about Disney earlier. I mean, if we're sitting back here right now, we're five years from now, I think we'll look back and say Disney was such a no-brainer buy because they have that moat. They control the content. Um, but right now, they're not going to be great for the next six months. So what makes the market go down when more fundamentals come out, more people have a realization that they're going to get hurt on earnings? Things are going to take, you know, are going to continue to sort of um, not do anything. Like companies, revenue growth is not going to be there. So eventually what happens is the earnings, I mean, companies are valued on a PEG ratio or PE ratio, but you, you know, PE growth. Eventually you're going to see, hmm, the stocks are going up, but the earnings are going lower. So why are we paying 25 times earnings for a company that's normally at six times earnings? Um, I made a concerted effort to move from a growth investment portfolio, which I was all growth. To more of an earnings um, investment portfolio, like I would much rather someone pay me cash every month, every quarter. So what makes it go down is that eventual um, those numbers not not following. So earnings not following. You're going to have short blips when stuff negative happens. Now, as Dennis said earlier, Joel, if the if Bye. the um, you know vaccine comes out, then it, all bets are off, right? All bets are off. So it's it, like. No one's going to know that. And after something happens, everyone's be like, it was so obvious. It was so obvious. It was so, and it's just, it's not going to be obvious. That's why I think you buy good companies and then you do a little bit of speculative stuff. Um, that's what Dennis did on that uh, remark. And that's great. And like, if you're in the chat or you're on Benzinga Pro, you'll see some of those opportunities before they come about to the world. Um, and that's what we do here. Um, but Dennis didn't mortgage the house on it. It's, 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 you know, it's, taking a little dose, putting it in there. And the hardest thing I think in this whole market, Joel, is buying great companies and not looking at them again for a long time and then having your speculative portfolio. So that Peloton one was a timing play. When Corona came, uh, like what's happened, I think Peloton was probably the biggest no-brainer buy I've ever seen in my entire life. 
honestly, or one of them. New York Times was, but Peloton as well. You just didn't know if it was already accounted for in the stock price, but it wasn't at 22. So at that point, it was, the question is, should you have sold the day of earnings at 37? That's the only thing, but I didn't sell a cent um, and whatever. So um, yeah, I mean, that's- I, that I, is, and I mean, I think you and I, I mean, uh, obviously a big second wave. I, I think that uh, the market- the potential's is, there for Yep, that. yeah, but that, you know, the vaccine versus the second wave and, you know, right now getting the economy back going and that doesn't seem to be a problem yet. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Nobody knows how this ends. Like nobody knows what the ending result of any of this is. You can speculate, okay, yes, we're going to bet on America like Warren Buffett says, and eventually America will try. And in all likelihood, that is, you know, going to be the case. But we don't know how long, we don't know how many companies, you know, eventually could suffer or even go bankrupt during this time. Maybe none. Maybe it's, you know, the bulls are right and we're all just going to get a vaccine and it's all going to be okay. Or maybe it's not going to be okay. But the way I position myself, you know, Jason's talking a little bit about this too, is I'm looking at companies that I fairly confident they're going to be okay, even if we are in social distancing for the next couple of years. That's why, you know, like we've seen, you know, this run into like the Peloton, like Jason was talking about, or, you know, the gaming stocks or Microsoft or, you know, some of these cash rich tech stocks that can stay, you know, or Amazon that can even thrive in social distancing. So, you know, you got to position yourself for the unknown. And that's how I'm trying to position my portfolio right now. And, uh, and guys, this isn't easy. Like, would the average person know Jeff Lawson, the CEO of Twilio's experience? No. I mean, like, I look like that's hard to know. Do you have a fighter? Do you have someone that has had, you know, setbacks before and how they overcame them? We all say people have setbacks, but, you know, he had companies where he raised 15 million and went out of business. That really prepares you for the future. And that is opportunity but it's hard to get that deep on companies but if you really go that deep you get an informational edge and i can tell you about more stories of informational edges but like that is some of those informational edges that can really make a difference i mean benzinga we sell like we have alternative data where we see sales numbers and different things and like those are informational edges and a lot of people have that kind of stuff and know how to search it i mean if you just do what the herd's doing then it's hard to stand out so you got to you got to be wrong a little bit. A stock is not meant to go up every single day. I mean, when I bought that New York Times, it went, it went down every day for like a week. And, and the guy who gave it was like, okay, I'm not giving any more stock picks. I'm like, no, your, your thesis, <laughs> yeah, Luke, you're, I'm like, your thesis is sound. It's just, you know, the, the world doesn't know it yet. That's the way I felt. Nobody it, gets the timing perfect. It's very hard, very rare to get the timing perfect. So you got to be able to take some heat and you got to be positioned small enough sometimes so that you can take the heat. I see traders, newer traders do this all the time. They get a thesis and they get really big in it and then they can't take the heat and they stop themselves out at the bottom and their thesis was going to be correct. They just couldn't hold on long enough because they couldn't take the heat that they were taking. So I would say you want to be big enough that it's worth your while, but you also want to be small enough that you can take the heat. So find that comfortable spot where, hey, if I get a three, four, 5% drawdown in this market, 5% drawdowns can happen overnight. Um, you know, I'm going to be okay with it. So, and yeah, obviously contingency plans, you don't want to get, you know, stuck with something and your thesis turns out to be wrong, but at the same time, you want to be able to hold long enough for your thesis to play out. What, what about, what about, uh, Dennis, what do you think about buying a margin? I don't. Um, you know, I trade on margin. Well, yeah. I, I day trade on margin, obviously, but in my long-term portfolio, I don't. 
because and and you know, I, I had a conversation with, you know with, with a private banker yesterday and they were talking about you know the, you know the clients that buy on margin well you know that, that and you can go two to one and you know you go all in but you know it, when, when you're when you're jumping in and buying on margin and you're in a long-term investment account and the market falls 50 percent which it did during the financial crisis your account is gone it's gone if you were two to one margin and you're just holding on holding on holding on and the markets you know fall by over 50 percent that's it I mean, that's over. I mean, and here you are, the financial crisis, the markets are making all-time highs and you lost all your money during the financial crisis because you were invested on margin. You want to use margin for trading? That's one thing. And I, that's why I stay, I still stay diversified in my trading portfolio too for the, you know, you know because people will come in, they're coming with a $50,000 account and they'll buy $100,000 worth of Biogen because they think this is going to be the stock that goes. Biogen Alzheimer's drug comes out overnight and is a failure and the stock falls 50% where you just blew out your account. So I like to stay diversified, not only my investment account, but my trading account. So if you're using margin, diversification is very key. Yeah, I hear you. I just, I sometimes do margin, but like I, I didn't do it on, you know, um, what, you know, Peloton. And I was like annoyed with myself because it, the, 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 you know, I do probabilities and I was like, the, the confidence I had in that one was so strong and I just feel it, you know, so yes, I mean, Warren Buffett says don't buy a margin. And I didn't, but like, obviously in hindsight, Dennis, I wish I did. Um, but no, I hear you. Cause it could go the other way. You got, you, even though I say it seems so obvious, that's the, the tough thing about this. Even though I say it seems so obvious, there is the probability, maybe it's 10% that CFO could resign or something, you know, whatever, like, or like, or Teleton could have said that Nordic track is taking, you know, is coming into the market share or something. So I don't know. So it's, you're probably right. Safer than sorry, the right? The trade can always go the other way. You can have the best thesis in the world and something might not play out. Like you were saying too, the stories change. I hate, I, me and Jason, I feel like I'm the same person in the Peloton trade. I hated Peloton. Before I this COVID it. thing, I was like, I, told, I called it on this show, like back in like November. It was yeah. a bicycle with an iPad on it. I was right. like, this sound feels like GoPro part two. But you know what? The thesis changed completely when the virus came in. And I was buying Peloton as well. And I was long it. Where I screwed up was I didn't want to take it through the earnings report. So I ended up selling it at $38 the day before the earnings report. And obviously, I should have took it through the earnings oh, report. Oh, you should have talked to me. I, my, my numbers that I had for the sales were so much higher than anyone else. I did tons of research on Peloton, tons of social media research. I saw numbers. I thought they were going to – I actually thought the day of the earnings, it went to like 44. I actually thought before the earnings, I would, would hit 50 after the earnings. I, I was like confident in 50. It went 44. But – um, yeah, I was confident in the earnings too. It was just a matter was it priced for perfection? It had run up 25%. We saw, you know, stocks on, with good earnings reports. And obviously I use other information, like I'm looking at the other stocks, what they've done. And we've seen stocks with really good earnings reports like Netflix sell off because they were just priced for perfection. This is a stock that ran up 25% in four days before the report. And I talked myself out of it. And that was my mistake. I, I was convicted too, just like you were on the earnings. I mean, I'm, I'm friends, same thing. You know, everybody's buying a Peloton. You could just see it. And, you know, I should have held through it. So I screwed up. It's still a good trade. I just like didn't how, want to hold it through the report. It's like how I talked myself out of, um, like, getting out of my Facebook position. I mean, I sold the entire yeah. position, which was just so dumb. Well, I did too. I sold my Facebook as well. It's 179 for the same reasons you were talking about. That exact same reasons you were talking I talked myself out. Maybe we talked to each other on that one. Yeah. I did the same thing. I sold my Facebook at 179 I wish I wouldn't have. And that's Maybe too I have a leak on your account, but I didn't sell the Peloton. <laughs> I missed your uh, the remark. I, I've been watching that one too, and I've just been you know so annoyed that I missed that one. So 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how we trade. And someone's in the chat room to ask about Benzinger Pro. Yeah, I go in that chat room during the day sometimes. I w will buy um, w one of these bank stocks. Someone did send me, they said, is this um, a good play? Emeritus Bank, uh, ABCB. So I'm on their site. I'm looking them up. I actually may pick this one up instead. Whoever put it in the chat room, Emeritus Bank, it looks interesting. Um, and I know a lot of people are asking about Tesla. I watched the two-hour interview or listened to the two-hour interview with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. There was really nothing there. Um, he really didn't go into anything on the car, just that, you know, the, the roadster will the, be the, the one question he did not answer was he, he was asked how to pronounce his kid's name. He didn't really answer the question, which I was a little bit disappointed. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed name. in. That's a bunch of symbols. You can't pronounce it. Tried to answer. It's an algorithm. He tried okay. to answer, but he didn't answer the question. X-Ash. No, there's an article how you pronounce it. X-Ash. I know. But Joe didn't follow up on it. Yeah. Joe, Joe really uh, stuck on the Neuronet your brain and put something in there and he really focused on that. Yeah. I know Elon really wasn't allowed to talk about the, um, the car stuff. So um, we may bring Elon on soon, but we may do a Tesla day with um, Kathy, um, you Kathy know, Wood. investment and like three, like two bowl, two other bowls and then two bears. Um, the biggest bear. If you guys have any big bears that you think on Tesla that you see on Twitter or, or on TV lot, send them to Spencer. Or just send them to um, yeah, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that, that's, no, that's fine. It's free market at benzinga dot com. Send, send, uh, send. Yeah, free market at benzinga dot com. Send the yeah. bears. We have the bulls. We have the, yeah. the biggest bulls in the company that you know that are around from Gene Munster to whoever. We have connections to them. We're yeah. gonna start bringing on some more of these like CEOs and um, analysts or people in the stock who are bullish and bearish, so you could hear their opposing viewpoints. And we're not going to let them bloviate. We're going to get right to like, here's this round one, round two, kind of like a Judge Judy. I think Joel, uh, Joel's, Joel's your Judge Judy. And Spencer is Spencer is a security guard. I'm the bailiff. Of, uh, there we go. The bailiff. What's status? I don't know. Dennis is. I, I don't know what I am half the time. <laughs> All right, uh, it's well, nine twenty. Dennis, I gotta Dennis, go. I gotta trade this open. You're yeah, costing me money here, uh, Chase. Sorry. sorry guys. Sorry. Love you guys. <laughs> As always, um, if you're you know on social media, I'm at Jason Rasnick on Twitter or in the Benzinga Pro chat room. Feel free to reach out and feel free to send us feedback. We got some feedback uh, last week that someone you know had problems listening to the show on their phone. The easy solution right now is you can listen to it on premarket.benzinga.com, but I get it. You want to have other apps open. YouTube, you can listen to us, but you have to have YouTube Red to have it on in the background, and that's a $9. I think, I think, well, uh, there's I think also uh, Spotify, too. There's also an app. There's also an app you can use called Musi M U S I that lets you watch YouTube videos in the background on your phone. You don't have to have it open. Uh, but I want to thank Jason Rasnick for uh, spending a lot of time with us this morning. I know you got stuff to do. Spencer, so, one last yeah. thing. I'm, I'm staying in work. Slack. Someone just put in the chat room. I know there's weakness. I bought it. I bought it up. I bought it down. I'm staying in Slack. The work. I like soon. that one too. If it goes, if it goes up, great. I win. I own a lot of it. If it goes down, I'm going down with the ship, and I'm going to have to get another job. So, the, the right. 30's been like a, the rock of Gibraltar in this one. We're busting out this morning. I don't know if it's uh, earnings related, but, man, if they finally cleared out this seller at 30, it'd be – Yeah, it's up 85 cents. I don't know if there's any volume with it. Well, Did they have, is, it's been up the last couple all days. All I know is I just want you guys to see this. I want you to see this can – the, the, like this one second give me one second then kick me off spencer i want you guys to know what i bought work at so you can hear i'm not just telling you 
So my original buy in work guys was at, all right. Um, the first buy was at uh, 20, no, 38.50. I bought it originally at $38.50, then at 29.40, then at 30.985, then at 17.60, then at 16.49. So I kept, you know, I tried to do the New York Times, didn't fall as much, but I started buying it at 38 and as it went down, I just kept buying. Yes, I got a little more nervous. I made the position size and I should have bought the same dollar amounts. I bought a few, I got more shares, but I didn't keep the dollar amounts consistent, which I think in hindsight, I should do that when, when you're averaging down like that. But I just kept buying it up um, as it went down because my conviction as it got cheaper stayed the same. The, the, the story stayed, stayed the same for me. And the people who are like shorted or don't like work, they just think Microsoft Teams is going to kill work. And that's what they think. So. All right. Th thanks a lot, Jason. All right, we went. This is an old-fashioned show. We went almost to the open. To the, yeah, exactly. Uh, we we used to do this on the regular, but uh, all right, Dennis will let you go. Uh, Dennis is already gone. <laughs> if you missed any part of our show, you can catch a replay on YouTube or a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or TuneIn. Thanks to Jason Raznick, and thanks to all of you in our chat. All three of them now on the premarket.benzinga.com site, on YouTube, and on Benzinga Pro. We thank you. For your participation as always i'm sorry we couldn't get to more of your questions we'll try better next week uh please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes not for investing or trading advice we are now 40 no, seconds no, out no, no. 40 seconds out from the open uh joel and i will be back with you at 3 40 to wrap up the week everyone have a great rest of your friday and wherever you are be safe as usual <laughs>